Hey, there he is. There's my ugly mug. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this podcast to bring you some incredible news. We are under attack. Never before has this reporter seen such devastation, such destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I fear the time has come for Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules! So grab a can of fermented weed and listen up. It may just save your life. Welcome back to Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. I'm your host, Douglas Arthur, and tonight we have a very special guest with us. Um, he is an author uh, who writes uh, stories about uh, vampires, and uh, we're heading into the holiday season, so I figured it was a, a good, uh, you know, a good theme to, to jump on. Um, so uh, please welcome uh, to our show, uh, Warren Onifer. How are you, Warren? I'm just ducky. Yes. Uh, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. This is great to be here. It's like, uh, you know, we, we cross paths occasionally out on the con scene. And yeah. it's nice to get together online here and do a little chatter. Well, I mean, that was that was part of it. I mean, I, I, I you know, I find that, you know, uh, you uh, when, on the convention circuit, you always run into people that are maybe just a little bit different than everybody else. And you are you write you don't write comics you write actual prose books and yes. you're uh, um and so and so that but always... i will i will say this hadley may or may not appear as a comic ah she's really tight-lipped she's like being really mysterious with me on that so you know it's it's not just pros of the, i mean i mean you know books are cool you know um, but <laughs> so, you know we got little pictures of the little red-headed vampire woman and that may or may not be a thing coming well, next year so <laughs> we'll now, now hadley is the main character in your books yes the book series is tales of the vampire hadley price and Hadley is a petite redhead, and she is a superior among vampires. She's faster, stronger, and more intuitive. There's She can do stuff that other vampires can't. And uh, the stories, the, the series, is about Hadley and her adventures. Um, and But it really is the three of them, Hadley and her, her vampire lover, Nathan, and their ward, the young vampire, Svetlana. So it really is the three of them. Um, and they are a family, but okay. we're not talking the Brady Bunch here, okay? <laughs> right, they right, right. are vampires, okay? So, and um, and so it, it's not just Hadley Solo. Um, and but I, I will mention that I, I, the one thing I did on purpose is Hadley and Nathan are lifers, so to speak, you know, if you can say that about vampires. I, I really find the whole 
um, love triangle and the whole, you know, lovers cheating on each other. Those two things, to me, they're boring because it's so overdone. So Hadley and Nathan, they are they are just absolutely committed to each other. And I really I don't have to play with any of that other stuff because they are committed to each other. Um, so, but Hadley, again, there, there's something different about Hadley. Okay. Uh, even within the vampire community. Um, and I, I think one of the things I like playing with is that she's this little tiny woman. Um, and people tend to underestimate her, and it's a lot of fun writing when they find out that you don't mess with Hadley Price. Um, now, the- I, I have to, I have to ask um, these these books, this series of books that you have are are they geared more towards like a teen audience or an adult audience? Like, what what's kind of your target? For, for the stories, I mean, are they graphic? Do you have a graphic horror in them, or is it more kind of yeah. toned down for a more teenage audience? Well, it's interesting you would ask that because I get that question a lot on the con scene because some of the graphics um, kind of lean toward comic book-ish, like the covers and stuff. And I've been asked that, are they young adult books? And I have to say, no. Because it is like, you know, I would say 80% of them could be that, but, you know, it, it, there are very graphic um, mutilation scenes, okay, which I, I, you don't write that kind of stuff, Doug, but, I, and I don't <laughs> Not write, that you know about. <laughs> well, okay, but it's a lot of fun to write that stuff, especially when the person doing the mutilation is righteous, you know? Sure. Um, and yes, there are Hadley and Nathan get busy on a regular basis. Um, so it's, I, I, I can't say that they're young adult books because they are, there is, I would say it's really graphic sex, but, you know exactly what they're doing, okay? So th- this is more college age then, probably. I uh, would say, I would say, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, that's, you know, or even you know, more mature people who just like to read about vampires, you know? Right, right. right. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, they are they are not young adult books, but I, you know, I would just say that you know, you come to my table at a con, and you know, you know, not you specifically, but right. You know, an average con goer. And if you know, I've been asked, um, could my daughter read this? And the daughter's right there. Okay. Um, and I say, I would say you read it first and then, you know, make the decision on that. Right. And and, and I don't want to be so ambiguous but I cannot get, I can't ignore that a line is crossed. Right. Which kind of leaves out the whole young adult book thing. Yeah. And, and every parent is kind of different in what they will allow and what they won't allow as well. Um, you know, I think that's always one of the problems, you know, trying to dictate any kind of a, 
um, you know, a, a you know censor, censorship code or rating system. Um, insofar as um, you know, uh, I think that you know every parent allows something different. Like you know, my parents wouldn't let me see R-rated movies <laughs> when when I was not you know 17 yet. Uh, but I had plenty of friends who were you know their parents were taking them to see, you know, Halloween in 1978 when we were in sixth grade, right. you know, right. <laughs> so, right. so, you know, the, it, it, to each his own, I, I suppose. Um, well, but let me add but one it, more. No, I'm yeah, sorry. Sure, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. Let, let me add one more element here, which actually does not make this any clearer. Um, I, I read some of the young adult books because the writing in them is generally pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I read the Gone series. I don't know if you know about the Gone series. Uh, I've heard of it. I think. Okay. Uh, um, it's maybe I'm confusing it with the Taken uh, books, which is kind of a uh, one of no, those Rapture, no, no, no. the Rapture oh, no, no, series. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> um, um, and they, they're these teenagers have sex, mm. and they use the F word, and yeah. I was like, you know, I remember going in and as I was going through the series and just talking to um, the people at the bookstore and they said, well, it's just because it's young adult doesn't mean it doesn't have those other elements. Right. Um, and and again, as an adult, I read this stuff and, and it didn't you know, affect me at all. But it really is the kind of thing that if, you know, I mean, you got a daughter. How, how old is your daughter now? She's like. She, she's 20. She's 20. Uh, okay. Yeah. So she's, when I first met her, when you I, you and I first met the first time, she was just a kid. Uh, yeah. I mean, she was maybe like, yeah, she was maybe like 15, 16. Right. You know, it was so, four. It was, yeah, it was like five years ago, I think. Right. At the. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. One of these years, I'm going to stop smoking, um, <laughs> but not this year. Um, so, you know, are my books good for a 12 or 13 year old? I'd say not. 14, 15, yeah. But I don't market them as young adult books. That makes that 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 makes sense. Um, you know, it's really kind of, you know, I I was reading Stephen King books, um, you know, when I was in my mid-teens, uh, uh -huh. and so, I, you know, I, I I don't know that my that my parents probably were too happy about that, but, <laughs> you know, uh, you can read anywhere, and the, your parents don't always have to see you, but but yeah, I can, you know, um, I can, I can kind of sympathize because uh, even you know just drawing my comics. Uh, there are times um, when I'm like, ah, you know, do I do I really want to draw that? Do I really want to write that? You know, thinking about, yeah. you know, uh, like I did a I did a story, uh, you know, with my brother for the uh, for the time travel book that we did, and you know, I have a I have a couple of characters. It's kind of a Adam and Eve allegory, so mm -hmm. naturally I have a scene where they are, you know. Um, uh, you know, taking advantage of the garden, so to speak. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> but I, I felt like I, I did it fairly tastefully. It's kind of like semi silhouette, you know, um, you know, there, it, it's, you know, it's suggestive of course, but it doesn't, you know, it's not like 
you know, uh, you know, Penthouse Comics when Penthouse was publishing comics back in the nineties. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, mm. it, it, it's uh, so I, you know, you you kind of uh, you know you do kind of sometimes temper that when you think about when you think about um, you know your your audience uh, so to speak. And I know there's times like I do sometimes autobiographical comics as well and um there have been times when i'm like uh you know what i i really probably shouldn't tell that story (laughs) there there was there was one scene i wrote and i went back like a day or two later and i added it down i'm like i'm like saying to myself dude what are you doing here right okay this is not your style and you know you self-edit and generally speaking, self-editing is not a good thing, but it really was in this case. You know, it, it's like, come on, this is not what your readers come for. It, it really, it's really interesting when you, when you, when you, you let yourself, you know, you're in your studio there, or you know, I'm banging on the keyboard, and you can just go with it, whatever. Right. But then when you want to release it to the public. There's 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 marketing considerations. Right. Right. Exactly. And and, um, and and that's one of the see, you're primarily an artist and I'm primarily a, a writer. And and tell me if this doesn't happen in artist world. Everything in high school and everything in college where you took a writing course, they said zero nada about marketing. Okay, so not, they not he, much that I remember, yeah. And a lot of it, I I learned just through trial and error. Sure. Um, uh, stuff that works, stuff that doesn't. Um, the worst that can happen is getting ignored. And I'm like, okay, that didn't work. So, I, how many books are there in the series? I, I, I meant to ask. Well, well, there's two already, um, and they're both ebooks, and they're both Hadley Price short stories. Okay. Um, and I've already got the definitive manuscript for um, two novels. Well, actually, the the one novel, and I'm working on the second one, full length. And like I said, the the artwork will be done by Gary. So. It, his style and Elizabeth's style are so really different. So yeah, it, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how well, Gary's, Gary's Gary's pretty versatile uh, from from the work I've seen from him. Um, he he's kind of like there's almost an Art Deco feel yeah. to what he does. Um, yeah, and it's going to be interesting when I when I release that full length novel next year to see how kind of getting away from comic book ish stuff and, and using you know stuff and the gary I, i've already got the cover gary finished the cover already and it looks amazing um but it's not comic book style 
And I've always kind of leaned into that because most of the cons I go to are con related. Right. Um, and I also wanted to kind of imply that while these are vampire stories, they're going to be fun. You, you sure. know what I'm saying? Right. right. Um, so where did we start with this? Where am I going with this? I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> uh, no, I was just asking how many books were in the series. Uh, but it sounds like you've got, um, you know, two collections of short stories that are out now. And you've got two novels that you're working on that are. No, I've, I've got one um, um, novel length um, definitively done. Okay. Um, and I'm and I have the cover by Gary, and that's going to be released sometime next year. Um, and so that, yeah. Well, something something to look forward to. Um, now I I wanted to ask. Um, you know, uh, you know, we've had a few chats at at shows and stuff, but um, mm -hmm. you know, what I I mean, you didn't start out to be a writer i mean you you had a career before you were a writer i i imagine i mean what what's kind of your origin story what what prompted you to um start writing and start writing about vampires uh for for that matter um, well and, and i will say specifically i write about hadley okay right to me the fact that she's a vampire um because she's such a fascinating woman um but you know okay Throughout the 80s, I, I was in local media, um, and I've got a long years of working in commercial radio. Um, so, you know, a few years ago, I thought to myself, you know what? If I'm going to use the word writer as one word to describe myself, I got to write a full length novel. And I said, okay. And I just started and just I don't know how long it's going to take and then I just plowed through and wrote the first novel it, most of my experience in, in media has been audio because I've been involved in radio sure um, and and local media now whereabouts are you based are, are, are you like in the Springfield area or where whereabouts are you based what's well, interesting because uh, the, the, for many years, I lived in Chicopee. Oh, okay. Um, which, again, I don't know how much of the local area you know, because you're over in New York, on the other side of the border in New Well, like uh, near Albany, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yep, I'm near Albany. Um, but, right. you know, I, Massachusetts, uh, I've spent a fair amount of time there. My brother uh, lives in Boston, uh, Boston area, so... I drive through there a lot. I, you know, I've been to, I've been to the museums a lot. Uh, um, you know, the, the Rockwell and, um, yes, the, I was just at the Clark, uh, at the Clark, yeah. a, a, a week or so ago. Um, you know, and I, uh, been to Springfield, uh, many times I've been to, you know, went to some concerts, uh, you know, up, and, you know, of course, when I was younger, I used to go to Riverside Park, uh, which is now, you know, Six Flags over whatever it is. Right. Six Flags over New England. Saw Three uh, Dog Night there a few years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. That yeah. So, I, so I've, spent, I I've, <laughs> I've, spent a, I've spent a fair amount of time in Western Mass, um, you know, well, as but as to get back to your original up. question. And again, we're good, this is one of those small world things. 
Right. Um, I, uh, you know, lived in Chicopee for years, like the longest place I ever lived in my life. And then this year, I moved to Greenfield. Oh, wow. I bought a house and moved to Greenfield. And it's small world in relation to you because I'm like two miles away from the Hawks and Reed, which <laughs> for people listening, um, Hawks and Reed is a multi-level entertainment complex. And every year they have the uh, Worcester Mass uh, comic book show with um, put on right. by Kit Henry. Yeah, great um, show. So it's like, you know, I moved out of Chicopee entirely and I'm like, I could almost, well, I could walk to the Hoxton Reed from where I live. Right. Um, so it's like, it's, it's a small world how things just work out. I have one other small world thing. Just sure. This is like one of those things I put on my list to make sure I'm interesting to your listeners. <laughs> okay. Elizabeth Ayers Ryan, who does the covers of the last two books and has done all of the artwork for the various places that Hadley has an online presence. She's great. She's a really good artist. I, yes, I like her. Yes. I like her style a lot. It's, it reminds me a bit of uh, Von Bode, um, who's kind of a famous underground. He did a lot of stuff for like heavy metal and underground comics. Um, She's very and, influenced by anime and yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing and ElfQuest and that kind of thing. She lives on Douglas Street. Hey, what do you know? What a coincidence. <laughs> Am I being topical or what? Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I'm everywhere. That's how it works. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, that's, that, that's, um, that's, I, I had no idea you were, you know, right in Greenfield now. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, it's a great know. place, man. I love, yeah, everywhere. I love, I love that. The, the Hawks and Reed building is, is a wonderful old building. Um, mm -hmm. beautiful on the inside. Um, mm -hmm. Just um, and and it's a it's kind of a a nice place to have an old fashioned comic book show. Um, well, but I think Kit Kit Henry, the guy who runs the thing, um, because he's been doing it like he does it every year, is starting to get known. Yeah, as you know, the yearly thing, and not unlike um, the Bing Comic Con in Springfield. Yeah. Did, yep. did you ever did you ever have a table at the Bing Comic Con? Um, I I went um, I went one year. Uh, no, I've been there two years. Um, and of course they they had to cancel this year and yeah, um, you know COVID and COVID kind of knocked them knocked them out for a couple of years there. Right. Prior to that, um, so hopefully Mark and uh, his his. Uh, co-conspirators there can get back on track with that show because it's a wonder, wonderful show it's even before i was writing hadley stuff i i knew about it okay so it had a huge rep well known in this area the bing comic con every year well known right. yep. even before i became a hadley place content uh, creator um, one other thing I mentioned, and I, and it's interesting that we're on we're on video and audio, is that I also produce the Tales of the Vampire Hadley Price audio, which is um, oh right Hadley. Well, the, again, the short stories in audio form. Um, so you know, and 
so it's you know Hadley takes me to places I never know where I'm going to end up you know yeah yeah that's I, I you know and uh listeners of regular listeners of my show know that um um I have uh on occasion well uh more than one occasion uh <laughs> I I usually do a, a Halloween episode every year where I read old um horror stories here on the show and I and I do a I do a soundtrack and you know I do, you know it's a lot of fun in fact I've got a I got to start thinking about what story I'm going to read for this year's uh, Halloween episode, um, which is coming up in uh, in about <laughs> six weeks. Uh, I've got to I've got to pick something out. Um, but um, yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun to um, you know do that kind of production. Um, you know, it's different from doing an interview like this. Right. Um, you know, you where you you know you're basically reading. Um, you know, uh, the, the, my biggest problem is that because I am reading kind of public domain, uh, horror stories, right. a lot of it is older. So it has kind of antiquated language and grammar. And sometimes that totally trips me up and I've got to do, you know, five, six, seven takes <laughs> until I, well, well, until I get it right. See, that's the thing about, about doing the Hadley points audio is, um, I, I, there are there are professional voice actors who could do, you know, get your hand them a script and they'll go through the entire thing and not goof up. Okay, w- when I narrate the Hadley stories, I do like a half a page at a time. Right. Okay. Um, because I screw up a lot. Right. Um, and 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 then you put them all together so it sounds like one big thing. Um, but, but it's, don't you kind of like, kind of envy people who can just, you know, pick up a page, five pages and read it and not make a mistake. Cause I'll it's admit, tough. I can't. It's tough. it's tough. I, yeah. Yeah. My trick, uh, that I do is I will print everything out in large type. Um, usually like you know, 24 or 30 point type. So mm-hmm. nice and big uh, with good spacing between the lines. So that's easy to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go through and I format it so that the page breaks, like, you know, I don't have a sentence that goes from one page to another. Uh, if, if I have a mm-hmm. sentence that's, that's going to do a page break, I will break the page early so that the sentence starts on a new page. Right. Um, and that way, you know, I can, easily edit out the sound of me flipping the page or whatever. Right. Um, and it, it doesn't sound so bad. And it's, uh, I find that helps me. Um, but you know, same thing, like I still screw up and I still have to do multiple takes. Um, when I first started doing it, the first few years I started doing that, I would actually stop, you know, erase, re-record, stop, you know, and, and I was like, you know what, this is, this is wasting so much time. And so now what I wind up doing is I just keep, I just, well, it's not tape anymore, but I keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then I edit out this, the, the takes I don't want afterwards. Uh, and I just have one long file and I just go through and listen. And then I chop out, you know, chop out the, the I, bad I'm, takes. I'm breathy. And I yeah. go in and take out and 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 like I you know would I use um what do you call it um 
I forgot whatever they, but you can go in, select, and make it silent. Like, and and you know, in in all of this, there's one thing that I say to I say to fellow creators who are struggling and trying to find a way to do something, right? Um, and that is the only thing that matters is the end product. Okay, it doesn't matter right. how many times you had to do that take, and and nobody who's listening is going to know that. Okay, bu, 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 bu. this piece right here, you had to do it five times. Yeah, but I mean, when look, they listen to it, it's going to be bip bip bip. It's going to be seamless. Right. I mean, and, look at it. Look at a Kubrick movie. How many takes does he do? Uh, is he? I mean, he's infamous for doing. You know, literally, you know, fifty, sixty. You know, a hundred takes of of a scene. Um, Imagine being an actor doing that. Like, I can't. How do you make it look natural after about the thirtieth time? You know, I I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how you do it. Um, and you know, there there can't be that many differences between you know, between some of those takes. And I have to imagine there's a bunch of takes that just plain suck because the actors are tired. <laughs> you know, no, but that's uh, like you know, people like Kubrick. Um, um, John Carpenter, Albert Hitchcock, you, you you get the impression they are totally in control of everything you say in here. Right. There's, there are no accidents in every single frame. That's why. That's why. To me, Carpenter movies are so good hmm. because my favorite movie of all time is Escape from New York. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. And, and, and I again, watched that recently and I'm like, this is so good. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, um, Spielberg is another one, but he, he's yeah. more, more of a popular where, where they, nothing was by mistake. Right. Okay. If there was a shadow on this side of their nose it, and not on that side, it was supposed to be there. Um, right. Right. And and that's why it's just it's a pure joy to see to view Carpenter films and and um, Kubrick um, and Spielberg. And I'm, I'm sure there's others that I'm just not coming to mind right now. Sure. Um, well, someone like Wes Anderson, who's like in total control. Right. Of, of everything, um, you know, down to the. Down to the color, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I, I just uh, saw Asteroid City um, recently, and just uh, how was that? I liked it. You know, I was I it a retroy thing? Yeah, it was. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, I, it, but you know, uh, I mean, it has a, a, a terrific cast, and it's kind of this weird uh self in a way it's kind of a self-referential story in that like the the movie will take a break and then we'll kind of get behind the scenes with the actors <laughs> it's we it's weird i'm not making it sound uh sound good but that I, could yeah, be a mess with a director who's not but he that, i think he yeah. makes it work he makes it work yeah. and and then the way he colors the movie it's like an old time postcard you know like those mm -hmm. old postcards from like the 50s and 60s that had mm -hmm. that have that kind of oversaturated color mm -hmm. and it 
it looks terrific. It, you know, it, it, it really does. And it's just got this wacky story about, you know, an alien and people getting quarantined. It's just, uh, it's just fun. Um, but it's also, you know, there's also deeper, you know, things going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, um, you know, I, I won't, I won't spoil it if you if you want to go see it. Uh, if you, it's, I think it's out on video now. Um, so, uh, but anyway, uh, that's another example of of a director who is very much controls what you see and hear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, and very different from from the others. You know, he has he definitely has a style. You ever see movies where occasionally? you can see the microphone coming in from the top. Oh like yeah. It's like right here. I and I'm have, like, I used to and, have a lot of fun with that, <laughs> but, but I don't know about you, but you know, every time you sit down and watch a movie, you have to suspend belief. Okay. Right. That breaks, that breaks the bubble for me. Uh, if absolutely. I can see the microphone that breaks the bubble. Yeah. And I'm or like, you'll okay. see it, or you'll see a reflection in a mirror or, right. You know, there might even be, you might even see them reflected in like a doorknob or something, um, you know, if you're really getting, paying right. that close of attention. Um, yeah, I mean, that could definitely be a problem. Uh, you know, I, a part of it is, um, you know, people not being careful, but, um, you know, sometimes. Not they, editing. I mean, don't put that in the movie, <laughs> you there, know, if there, you can see the microphone, yeah. don't put it in, you know. Right. Well, part of it too is the is the masking. At least when I, you know, when I I was I used to be a projectionist, and back when we had film uh, instead of you know digital. Now I don't I don't think it's as much of an issue with digital because even if it did show up, they can just erase it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, the way we projected um, film, they're actually because of the way the shutter is designed, there actually has to be leeway on the top and the bottom of the frame mm-hmm. um, that gets masked out. So I think, you know, a lot of times, um, if you saw that in the theater, it was because the film wasn't masked proper properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, but but it still shouldn't have shown up in that safety zone anyway right um but sometimes it did and i'm sure they said okay it's in it's in that safety zone it'll get masked out nobody will see it but you know sometimes there's a bad splice or you know maybe things are just not quite framed properly and Mm -hmm. you know you get that little microphone showing up uh in a shot uh, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always used to laugh at that. I used to look for that kind of stuff. Uh, it, 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 that kind of stuff always amused me. Um, well, I think know. because, you know, because I mean, in radio and, and media and you, and you lean more towards the arts and, you know, you're a, a, a visual, per, a visual arts person, whereas I'm a word person. Sure. We, we, we don't we tend to be more sensitive to that. Right. Okay. Because I think the average person who doesn't do the things we do wouldn't even see some of the stuff we say. And, and, and that's where you don't want to get sloppy. 
Right. You know? Right. And, and it's, it's again, when, when I see the microphone, there's no excuse for that. I just, it's, it's a pet peeve, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. (laughs) I, I agree with that. Um, so I, you know, I guess, um, that kind of brings up, uh, you know, another question of this, uh, you know, that I have, uh, now you said that, you know, being a vampire is really only kind of part of the reason you enjoy writing the character of Hadley. Um, but is, is horror and, uh, you know, those kind of creatures of like vampires and so on, um, is that something that you kind of grew up with? Is that something that fascinated you as a kid growing up? Um, uh, or, or is, or did that come to you later? Um, I was, no, I was a total comic book kid growing up and you know, so I, I don't think horror comes into it. Um, but the thing that makes Hadley interesting is not, not just that she's a vampire. She's an interesting woman, other than the fact that she's a cute, a little cutie, but like scary, <laughs> powerful. Okay, right, right. Um, I, I love writing the interaction between her and Nathan and Svetlana at home. Um, uh, but again, it's you know writing her when people underestimate her. <laughs> you right, know, right. Um, but uh, it, it, where am I going with this? I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but the, the the thing that again, I, I think the answer to the question that I forgot is the the thing that makes Hadley interesting is she's an interesting person, other than being just a scary, powerful vampire. It, mm. Being a vampire is not all, everything that she is, and um. Where did I get an interest in writing like that? I don't know because you know. Yes, you know, I, I enjoyed horror movies. You know, growing up in, but I was I was hardcore sci-fi, hardcore sci-fi guy. Hmm. Um, so I, I just have no idea where writing Hadley came from. I mean, I know where I wrote. I know where I got the idea of Hadley, um, and I and I can tell you that if you got if you got the time, I you know. sure sure. Um, let's let's hear about the origin of this character. Well, I'm secure enough of my masculinity to admit that I own and have read the Twilight novels, and I'm not going to get on the bandwagon and <laughs> say bad things about them. Okay, because anybody who can write five novels. You got to be in awe because that's a lot of work. Yeah. However, as as um, a mature adult man, there was one thing that just stood out to me, and it was the kind of the inspiration to create Hadley. Was why would that one hundred year old vampire be the least bit interested in a teenage girl? And it's a little creepy. Yeah. Well, but not only that, especially a whiny, like fickle <laughs> character like Bella. Right. Okay. 
So, you know, I kind of stewed on that. It's like it didn't it didn't it didn't make sense to me. Right. So basically I came up with a story of where where I switched the genders where the vampire was a woman who ultimately became Hadley. Um and the human was a man and the vampire meets this mature man. He's 50 years old, okay? Um, ultimately, he regresses after Hadley brings him over. Um, but she falls in love with this man for the very reason that he isn't like, uh, a, you know, a frat boy. Right. And that that is how, you know, that's where I got the germ of the idea for Hadley. And then the more I'm writing about her, I thought I was done. And it's... I, I think you, you can understand this when I say this, is that the character had more to show me. So it became a series. Um, and there should be a name for that. Don't you think, Doug, that experience where characters tell you where they want to go or sometimes refuse mm-hmm. to go where you're writing them? <laughs> and And it's like people who don't write... You know, I, I, I had had this conversation with my father, and he said, you know, his background in education was he's an engineer, okay? He said, well, if you're writing the characters, you can just put them anywhere you want. And I'm like, you would think, you know? Do you, right. I, you've, have, have you experienced what I'm talking about? Uh, where a character Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, I did... Um, I mean, most of my most of my comics are parodies of stuff, or I've done mm-hmm. some autobiographical stuff and so on. But I have written some short stories, mm-hmm. um, and I have one story that I actually um, that I wrote um, about a pyromaniac um, <laughs> that that I serialized in my weekly comic strip back when I was doing my weekly comic strip. And uh-huh. I'm actually trying to develop that into a full length graphic novel. Um, and I've got about, I, I, the original short story was 13 pages and I've already got like 25, 26 pages and I'm not even through like the first chapter yet right. of, of my planned trilogy. Of work. trilogy. It's a lot of work, but yeah, the character, when I started writing it, I really didn't have any idea other than, okay, this guy is going to be a pyromaniac. And, you know, I didn't really know what his motivation per se was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it just kind of developed as I was writing it, um, you know, because, uh, you know, I didn't plan. It wasn't like I planned the whole story out in advance because, mm-hmm. you know, I was on a weekly deadline and I was like, you know, back in the old days, they would just they would do one week at a time and try to figure out, you know, what's going to happen the next week, the next week, you know, um, and and that's <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of the way I approached it. And so, you know, I didn't necessarily know what was going to happen in the next you know, the next page, uh, until I wrote it, until I did it. And, uh, you know, uh, so, um, you know, the, the initial germ of it actually kind of, I was maybe going to do like a Sin City, you know, Frank Miller kind of parody. Uh, Uh, 
and and so like the first page or two of the story are actually contain some elements of of satire to them um in just the way the dialogue is written uh-huh. um but as i developed it and started writing it and the character uh, it became more solid in my head i'm like oh okay this the story went to places that i didn't expect at all um you know uh, i discovered that this character his motivation came from being abused uh, by his father um, and his mother uh, was very religious and his father killed his mother um, you know he watched his, his he, he watched his mother get murdered mm-hmm. and uh, by his father and so it it becomes this kind of struggle where he has this uh, kind of weird, schism uh in his brain where he's trying to you know uh, kind of come to terms with all of this stuff you know his father is is like this evil person and his mom was very religious and good but you know how how does he how does he come to terms with that as a young as a young boy and you know i i I won't spoil it but it's you know it uh, he he obviously you know he turns to a life of setting fires uh, to things that he thinks um, uh, deserve to be burned. Um, so so it, it it becomes a very interesting story. But I didn't I wouldn't have gone there. Uh, you know, it was during the writing process that I that I kind of you know found the character and found the direction. What happened to you is exactly what happened to me is, you know, your character had more to show you hmm. and, you know, Hadley had more to show me. And again, getting back to what I was saying originally, how do you explain to someone who doesn't write that someone who doesn't exist was communicating with you? <laughs> right. Right. I, there's got to be a name for that, Doug, because, I, you know, I know other writers where it happens. It's fairly frequently that it happens. I wouldn't be surprised if Stephen King doesn't have a word for it because, I, you know, right. I, I've heard him discuss that uh, topic. Um, not not that in depth, but I've heard him mention, you know, how characters kind of reveal themselves through the writing. Um, yes, and, and, you know, and he doesn't always have everything planned out. It's uh, not like you're. It's the subjective experiences. It's not like you're making it up as you go along. It's like you're the characters are revealing themselves. It's like, right? That's, that's yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's how do you explain that? You exactly. Know? Exactly. If there's nothing worse than. Um, you know, uh, uh, reading a story or watching a movie or, or something that's obviously been written and the character does something that makes absolutely zero sense. And you're like, where is that coming from? Yeah. You know, and, and it's and it's more along the lines of, oh, uh, you know, I I plotted the story out and it needs to end this way, uh, but it doesn't gel with the character you've created along the journey um and the character is at the end is doing something that makes zero sense 
in context yeah. to the rest of the story that you've created. So, well, and, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just think that's 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 a trap that you know some writers can fall into. It's like, oh, well, I know how my story is going to end, and I'm like, how can you do that? <laughs> I mean, well, you might have a great scene for an ending, but you know, uh, then it becomes a jigsaw puzzle of you know fitting all the right pieces in, and if it doesn't editing, right, right. It, yeah. Right, <laughs> but let's not let's not kind of imply through you know if there's any young writers out there who just starting out, let's not imply that you throw away all of the traditional kind of ways to learn how to write. Okay, right. Um, I mean, you know, ideally. You should, you know, should you should outline your entire story. I don't. I mean, I know how it begins and I know how it ends. That's what I work with. And but I think while I don't outline in detail, I know what outlining is. I know that how the story should progress. So let us not imply to to anybody who's a young writer these days that you throw out everything you learned in in writing school of whatever form. Right. Everything right. works. Um it, it, there's a reason why you're learning that stuff and that is because over the years it's worked for a lot of people. I, th um, I think you have to allow uh, allow your characters to breathe a little bit, though. Right. Yeah. Um, you but have to leave you leave room in your story to, um, you know, you don't want to rigidly follow the structure because right. um, that can lead to kind of boring storytelling. Um, right. But if your characters start revealing things about themselves as you're writing them, you want to make sure you leave room for that. Um, right. And, and, you know, uh, you know, and, and make sure that it, that it all makes sense um, at, at, at well, the end. To which I would add, I, I, is like, if you're going to break the rules, know what the rules are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Know what the rules are to begin with. Because, you know, if you're a young writer starting out, follow the rules. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. But if you're, if you're, if, you know, if you're a, a content creator of any kind, okay, an artist or whatever, you can tell somebody how to draw a caricature. Okay. Because you do a variation on that. Okay. Um, you know, the either Gary or Elizabeth, who I work with, can tell you about um, the anatomy and knowing that stuff. Right. But, you know, take a look at like Jack Kirby was his anat his anatomy was awful. <laughs> OK, but he's one of the most amazing artists of the last 60 years, 50 years. OK, Easily. so. So know the rules, you know, and then break them. But don't start in chaos without any rules and, th and think you're being edgy 
no, you're not being edgy. You're being, you're, it's no, you're not being edgy. You right. gotta know what the rules are before you break them. You know? Exactly. I, I, and if you look at Kirby's work through the years, you know, um, he, he, his style developed and changed dr- drastically. You look at stuff he was doing in the sixties versus seventies. Yeah. Uh, and, and beyond, um, you know, you know, look at look at the work he was doing for like, you know, um, the Eternals, for example, mm-hmm. versus, you know, what he was doing for, you know, the X Men, uh, you know, ten years ten years earlier. Right. Uh, uh, huge difference. That the, the he he, as you said, you know, was breaking all the rules on how you drew stuff. Um, right. It became much more stylized, much more cartoony in a way, but also very intricate and detailed right. very and dramatic and dramatic. Yeah. Right. Um, so different from what anybody else was doing. Right. Um, and, and, you know, uh, as they say, uh, often, uh, uh, often imitated, never duplicated. Uh, right. You know, a lot of people have tried and it just doesn't work. It's not but Kirby. It, anybody who tried was obviously, obviously trying to be Kirby. You know, there, no one comes to mind, but there were some who their stuff was Kirby-ish. Right. But it was not Kirby. And you can see. Right. And, and, and really, and that's, yeah. That's why I, I just think people need to find their own style. Because if you're if you're copying on someone you think is great, you're not growing as an artist. You're not you're not you know creating your own style. And 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 maybe you know the the people who did the Kirby ish style, and there was some of that in the seventies when I was a kid. When, you know, reading comic books. Sure, it's like. You're just going to be the person who did Kirby style, you know, right? Um, and but but nobody is Kirby. It's he's so totally unique. Um, and just like Ditko, Ditko is the same way. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody's Ditko. Right. Uh, I, I mean, people have tried to kind of imitate his style a little bit, and it doesn't work. It, it, right. there's, there, there's, you know, there's something about those two guys that, you know, it's part of the reason that Marvel is what it is today because yes. they were so idiosyncratic, so dynamic, mm-hmm. and they told great stories with yes. their artwork. Um, and, you know, depending on who you listen to, they also just, they wrote great stories too. Um, right. <laughs> Um, but that's, that's a, that's a whole other show. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, like you said, it's like once you, once you know what the rules are, you can start to break them. You can start to bend them, shape them and do different things. Um, just know what they are though. Right. You know, um, you know, somebody like Will Eisner too, took the basic form of the comic book and transformed it. Um, by saying, you know what, I want to make this look more like a movie. Uh, I want to add cinematic elements to my, my, my artwork, to, to my stories. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, people were like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, it's got to be six panels to a page or nine panels to a page. And, you know, he he did, you know, uh, stuff that really, you know, made an impact, made a difference. And mm. people are still using the techniques that he developed, you know, to this day. So, mm. um, you know, it's a, it's a great point about learning the basics. So, uh, well, uh, anyway, uh, do you, uh, where, where can we find your books? Where can we find your audio podcast? Is it a podcast? Uh, the, it, yes. the audio version? Yes. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's posted in, um, Podbean, but it's also, it goes to other, like it goes to, um, so like on Spotify, and, Spotify, yeah. And Apple, so it goes is it there. on Apple Music as well? I don't. Or Apple so. Apple Podcasts, no. but it's on Spotify. Okay. Right. And right. and books, um, get Hadley Price books. It they're everywhere on you know your favorite online bookstore. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I mean, really. I mean, it, it's you know Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Kobo, Walmart books. Wow, these books are on you know, um, and Book Baby and yeah, everywhere. Hadley's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Well, I you know I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come in and talk to us uh, about about your books and and a little bit about yourself. Um, and uh, really appreciate you coming on, Warren. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules is copyright 2023 by Douglas Arthur for Dugside Syndicate. All other content is copyrighted its respective holders and is used under the doctrine of fair use. You can contact the show by sending an email to spacemules at yahoo.com or you can drop us a voicemail on our new listener line. Just visit anchor.fm slash spacemules slash message and we might just use it on a future show. And head over to Facebook to like the official Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules fan page for all the latest news, show notes, and celestial ephemera. And please check out our new Space Mules Tee Public storefront for all your Space Mules swag. T-shirts, magnets, coffee mugs, you name it. We have all the highest quality merchandise you can shake a Zuni doll at. Just head over to tpublic.com slash user slash Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. We're now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Google Play, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and more. Or you can visit anchor.fm at any time. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next time when you'll hear my brother say... It was an accident. About an hour ago, a small jet went down inside New York City. The president was on board. President of what? That's not funny, Pliskin. You go in, find the president, bring him out in 24 hours, and you're a free man. 24 hours, huh? I'm making you an offer. Bullshit. Straight, just like I said. I'll think about it. No time. Give me an answer. Get a new president. We're still at war, Pliskin. We need him alive. I don't give a fuck about your war. Or your president.
Are we Thank not recording anymore? Uh, I, I, I usually keep the tape rolling oh, okay. uh, right. anyway, but, uh, but that should be roughly the end of the show. Um, but, you know, just in case there's uh, some little witticism or something. Uh, oh, no. I, I, the, the pressure to be clever and witty. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to.